Well, I don't know about you, but I've, I've, I, but the spreading of the gospel and the growth of the church from the day Jesus said, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church, it amazes me. It amazes me because how the, the gospel and the church spread out from that little area of the Middle East through the Mediterranean and then into the world. Uh, there have been discussions and wrestling over scriptures from the time of Christ, and we're still doing it. Um, our church fathers and mothers, uh, but the church fathers had many council meetings to discuss the scriptures. There was the Nicene Council, uh, the Council of Constantinople, the Council of Ephesus, uh, and four Lateran councils, and uh, the Council of Leon, two Councils of Leon, sorry. Uh, and there have been great com- controversies and separations throughout that time. There was a split in the Catholic Church in 1004, uh, and they became two sides, uh, the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox churches. Uh, And there was further splitting within the Orthodox faction and eventually also in the Catholic Church. And in 1517, 500 years ago, nearly to the day, uh, Martin Luther nailed 95 theses on the door at Wittenberg Castle, in Germany. And he was a priest in the Roman Catholic Church that started to question the church's use of power and the misinterpretation of scripture uh, and thus began the Protestant church as we know it. Uh, And since that time we further developed uh, as people who continue to study the scriptures and worship together. We have interpreted some things differently, and therefore we have many denominations. Uh, Most of the differences within the Protestant church have to do with more understanding of scripture on like different ways to baptize, understanding the difference between free will and, and God's sovereignty and other fundamentals and other things that are not so fundamental. But so Luther was the beginning of the Luther Lutheran church. And then there was this Roman Catholic priest called Menno Simmons who questioned the Catholic Church and and so the Anabaptist uh, movement was started and that's where the Mennonite Church came from. Church of England was formed, as we know, very much much a part of Canterbury history uh, when the King of England split with the Pope because the Pope would not grant him a divorce. John Smith, um, a Church of England priest, broke ranks to form the first Baptist church. And of course, John Wesley, uh, our founder, a Church of England priest again, started seeing scriptures and our relationships with each other in a different way, and Methodism was born. Uh, And since then, we've seen many new denominations form and fall, and there have been lots of cults that distort the scriptures that pop up everywhere. So, Why the history lesson, you may ask? Well, firstly, we're studying uh, the first letter to the Thessalonian church uh, from Paul. This this was a church in North Greece, uh, and so Christianity grew from there into Europe and to England. So our form of Christianity is likely has roots in the Thessalonian church of 2,000 years ago, which I find amazing. 
Uh, and secondly, today, because it's Reformation Sunday. Uh, as I said, it's nearly 500 years to the day that Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses to the door. And we've had some wonderful lectures over the last month uh, commemorating that uh, in, in this church. I've not been to get, I didn't get to any of them, I'm really sad to say, but I have listened to some of them online because uh, they're on the, on the website if anybody wants to listen to them. No. Uh, so I think Luther's actions uh, are intrinsically linked with our epistle reading for today, which is lucky. Um, Luther was rebelling against the Roman Catholic Church teaching that freedom from God's punishment for sin could be purchased with money. Uh, they were called, uh, oh, see, uh, my brain's totally gone. The indulgences, thank you so much. See, this is why I need to write things down. Uh, but yeah, they could purchase indulgences and, uh, and, and get, out for, get out of uh, so many years in purgatory uh, so they could go to heaven. Uh, Luther taught that salvation wasn't earned by money and it's not earned by good deeds, but it's only received as a free gift and that free gift is there for everybody. God's grace is there for everybody, shown through the love of God through Jesus just because God's love and no other reason. And in this letter, Paul is defending himself against these very accusations that he was out to gain power and money. And then, and then again, there, was there ever a time in history where somebody in the church did not accuse Christian ministers of bad motives? Uh, happens all the time. There was a, always a sneaking suspicion on the part of some uh, that preachers are just sick, slick charlatans who use smooth talking and seductive language as a way to line their own pockets. Uh, Apparently, it's always been so. And as Colin noted last week, if you were here, uh, this is the very first of Paul's epistles, very early writing in the New Testament. And we can see that the need to fend off these accusations of manipulation and greed goes way back to the very beginning and to the earliest days of the church. Now, we're always reading somebody's mail when we uh, delve into the letters in the New Testament. Uh, so as such, we have to infer a lot of things in, and read between the lines because we only have one half of the conversation. Um, you know, we, we, we don't know who wrote to Paul if, if at all or, you know, our knowledge of these things that get alluded to, it's, it's not firsthand. So as would be the case if, if these letters had been written to us. And the Thessalonians knew why Paul was saying the things he did in ways we can but dimly get at. But I th still, I think it's pretty obvious uh, what Paul, what's behind Paul's writing. He's been dismissed by some as nothing but a smooth talker who used his skills for personal gain. This whole Jesus thing was just a pretext for fraud. Promises of a better life in some far-off kingdom uh, was just a way to swindle little old ladies out of their pension money, possibly. Um, invest in heaven today, give me your money, and it'll pay sweet dividends in the hereafter. Uh, trust me, you'll see. Um, how many times have we heard that? Of course, 
addressing this would uh, be a whole lot easier if not for all those preachers, past and present, and even broadcasting on television to this day, uh, who are guilty of exactly this kind of tre tre treachery. From the gluttonous friars uh, of the Canterbury Trials uh, to so many other self-promoting, dishonest, women-seducing preachers, uh, to the Joel Olsteins of the day who promise your best life now, even as their own lives are so clearly doing very nicely on the economic front, thank you very much. Uh, we cannot pretend that these things that Paul was accused of uh, way back in Thessalonica never existed. They did then, and they still do now. But not usually, uh, and certainly not always, and almost certainly not with Paul. Here in 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul uh, takes very much takes pain to point out uh, that, as a matter of fact, he's not a very good talker to begin with at all. Uh, his rhetoric, he's only not very slick at all. It makes no sense in worldly standards. This gospel paradox, paradoxically points out to a cross of all things as, as the source of hope. And far from this being a message that was readily accepted by people, Paul's words sort of led to a worse life now, uh, as the gospel was resisted and rejected and scorned in this early part of the, the New Testament. And the, um, the, the gospel spokespersons were often beaten up and humiliated and put in jail. Uh, if Paul was just in this for himself, uh, then explain the, you know, the scars on his face or the, the whip scars that, that on Paul's back that resembles 10 miles of bad road, or people who are in it for themselves don't get their nose broken and, you know, half a dozen times or a tooth knocked out or now and then. But God's, nothing but God's love was compelling Paul uh, to preach what he did. Uh, he said, you, you think we're trying to please, favor and curry fa please people and curry favor with the authorities. If we were, we should be very, saying very, very different things than what, in fact, we do preach. The reason I'm saying this is, you know, 500 years after the Reformation, do we need to look at the Methodist Church in the same way that Luther looked at the Catholic Church? And do we need to look at our church in the same way? Do we need to take a very good look, uh, long look at what we do, and what we say, and how we treat other people? Uh, no, the answer is probably yes, all of us, especially me. I don't know if you know this, but I, I grew up an atheist. Um, it may not surprise you uh, that I am quite cynical, um, and I'm, I question lots and lots of things, and I don't trust easily, I have to say, um, when I was a teenager, I started going to a Methodist church and uh, I went to the Methodist Youth Club uh, with a friend of mine uh, and I must have been incredibly annoying. Um, I was always the one who asked lots of the why questions. Uh, we, we went and had little Bible studies as a youth group on a, on a Sunday night. Uh, and I, was, I, I actually studied the Bible just so I could bring up arguments uh, just to try and make, tell people they were wrong. And I started arguments with our church leaders. 
Uh, not the kind of teenager you want in a nice Christian youth group. Um, for me, Christianity was uh, about all the things that you couldn't do. And, and very, this very judgy God who shouted, stop it, all the time. You know, stop it having fun or else. Um, I don't know if you can sympathize with that, but that's how I saw God. And it seemed, sorry, did I, did I shock you when I shouted, stop it? <laughs> What were you doing wrong? Uh, it, seems to, it seems to me that the church and Christians still put this kind of idea of, of God around because we reduce God to a, a religion. And a religion is not just... A religion is just a bunch of rules. When I actually, I don't think God is like this at all. God is love, not a religion. Does our community love like God? Or do we have an ulterior motive to make people follow the rules before we can love them? To make people Christians before they can be part of our community? I came to faith because I had a relationship with other people, other Christians who may have been really annoyed by my belligerent questions, but who welcomed me into their community nonetheless solely because they loved me, despite my lack of respect for them. And just like this little community of believers in Thessalonica, uh, who were accused of the same way. And through this community, I found a relationship with the community of God, because God is also in a relationship with God's self creator, redeemer, sustainer, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are in community. The Trinity desires a relationship with itself and with us too, to be brought in to that community of God. All love desires of us is relationship, I think. And in God, in Jesus, this revelation of that desire, a God we can relate to as a human through Jesus Christ. And that's the, I think that's what Jesus was on about in his passage, this passage from Mar Matthew's gospel that we had. Jesus says that the whole of the law is summed up in this relationship, love for God and love for each other, a love without judgment. Through Jesus, God limited God's self to show us love and respect not God's superiority and wrath, just relationship. God's not some nasty father figure who's trying to make us live up to an ideal, the perfection of God, or trying to trip us up and tempt us into sin, just to prove that God's better than us. Uh, in fact, I, I, there's, a, there's a, um, a sketch that was on the Fast Show. I don't know if anybody... It's probably it's too many years ago now, but I've got a, 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 a video of it, and it's a, uh, uh, it's a guy called Competitive Dad. Uh, but have, have a watch in it and, and see what you think. There we are. Oh, it's a wonderful parody, but I, 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 I do believe that people think God is like that. It's just trying to trip us up all the time, just show this superiority of what we are not and what God is. But... Uh, but think of it like this, as a, as a parent myself, I, when my children were young, I played games with them and coloured pictures of them, not, not like this. I, 
I, I didn't do it to show my superiority, but I chose to limit myself to honor that relationship between us. Uh, I frequently lost at games, uh, especially with Bill, my youngest, uh, to accomplish that love because our, our relationship wasn't about winning, it wasn't about losing. Uh, it was about love and respect. Likewise, our relationship with God and with each other should never be about power. And, and a way to avoid this is to be like the, the one who limited themselves in Jesus, the Jesus who came to serve. Uh, and the way, to, I think, to re this relationship is to trust that God is love. And if you're like me, uh, you probably don't trust easily. I still find it incredibly difficult to believe that God can love me that much and that God works for the good of us all, especially when I see how broken this world is, when I see that child on the shore. Is God, you know, how can I trust that God is working for good when we're working against that? But I need to submit to God every day and repent of my lack of trust and love. And submission to God is not about authority. It's not about some blind obedience. It's about a relationship of love and respect. And I believe that God actually submitted to us in exactly the same way through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen.